Um, I am here doing work while Tobin is on vacation in LA, and I believe I have a photo of him. This is him in LA like two days ago, and he's very, it's very hot there right now, apparently. So um, Nancy, what is Nancy? It's, uh, we like to call it a show about how we define ourselves and the journey it takes to get there. Um, like I said, it's like a gay This American Life. That's what we like to say it is. Um, and I think I want to start off by playing what the show sounds like, and then we'll talk more about it. Nancy, here we go. Yeah, it was my very first scene, and the AD was like, okay, Sarah, this is Kate. Kate, this is Sarah. And in this scene, Kate's going to be going down on you. And I was like, holy shit, what? They took me to this um, gay bar. And I didn't know what was going on, and I said, there sure are a lot of men here. And then we're smoking, like, yeah, man, I'm a man. So my transition changed my name, to do testosterone shots, and I was just like, I don't know what's in this weed, bro. Like, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> I was never going to make another silly joke. I was never going to pretend I didn't hear the gay slurs. We were one part of a little budding gaggle of gays at the Pentagon. I like um, exercising naked. You're, you're talking like butt naked. Like butt naked. Wow. Labels do matter, especially if you're talking to a demographic that might not have heard from like a trans person before. They've only seen them as like a dead prostitute on like SVU or something. We talk about it as like dropping the W bomb. You know, you're dropping off the dry cleaning, my wife will pick it up. I didn't think I'd ever use that word. And then I realized how powerful it was. So that is what our show sounds like in trailer form. Uh, a few questions to get out of the way. Um, we're a queer show, which basically is I use queer interchangeably with LGBTQ because the acronym keeps growing and I welcome the growth. It should be, it should grow as long as it wants to be, but it's hard for me to say on stage. So I tend to say queer um, as a way of saying gay, lesbian, bi, trans, two-spirit. There's, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things in there. Um, and how did, how did Nancy come to be? Um, we, Tobin and I wanted to do this show a few years ago, we were going to do it on our own, like in, in the US, uh, independent podcasters, there's so many of us. So we were going to do it together, but at the same time, WNYC, which is the biggest public radio station in the US, had this contest called the Podcast Accelerator. So the two of us used it as a deadline to enter this contest, and we won by pitching, we did like a live pitch in front of people. Um, and we won, and they wanted the two of us to be the host of this new show. And it took us about six months of piloting with um, WNYC to make this show happen. Um, and eventually we launched in April of last year. Uh, we just finished our 48th episode, our third season. Um, and uh, we're, we're kind of part of WNYC, not like the, the broadcast side. We're not on air anywhere, but we are part of this other branch of WIC called WIC Studios, where all they focus on is podcasting. Um, they have um, parts of WIC Studios that focuses on um, just piloting new shows every year, every season, um, and it's, it's completely different from the, uh, I would say, like the broadcast side. Under WIC Studios, you have 
um, well, it used to be Freakonomics. We have Radio Lab, Studio, Studio 360, I think might be part of it, Dead Sex and Money. All, all we do is podcasting. Um, seasonal show. Oh, a question we get a lot about is the name of the show, Nancy. So we went through, when we first started the show, we called it Gadio because, haha, pun, punny. But then, turns out in the UK, there was a show called Gadio, so we couldn't use it. Our lawyers said no. And, um, and Nancy came around when Tobin and I went through so, as many puns as we could think of. Uh, at one point, he was just like so frustrated, he said we should just name it after a person. And he came up with Nancy, and I didn't know at the time that Nancy was a derogatory term for a gay man, kind of like an older uh, derogatory term. And we decided we were going to reclaim that, and if you knew what it meant, then you knew what our show was going to be about. But if you didn't, then like, you might say something like, like this. Maybe not even that old, but like an aunt who like bakes apple pies. And it's like, oh, Nancy, it's Aunt Nancy. She's going to take care of us. Aww, thank See, you, Aunt like, Nancy. You're a blast. Yeah. Vanilla ice cream, Aunt mm, Nancy. I love Aunt Nancy. But now you know what Nancy is. So, all right. These are some of the topics we've covered in the 48 episodes that we've done. We've talked about gay Republicans, HIV, Golden Girls, which is one of my favorite shows in the world, um, Orlando how Dumbledore is not gay. You can fight me on that, but he is not, even though J.K. Rowling says he is, he is not gay. Um, we've done a lot of stuff and, and we're gonna, and it can, the feedback we've gotten about the show is that people love hearing themselves, or people like themselves on air. And so I feel like we're gonna continue to expand this list as far as we can. So today I'm just gonna talk about how we uh, came to find ourselves, especially during the piloting process, to now and how we go about telling the stories that we tell, especially when we're trying to cover a community that is brought together by our differences more so than the things that are similar to us. So we started out with um, my story, my coming out story. Before the show came to be, I had um, recorded a conversation with my mom in which it came out to her for the third time. And nobody told me that that you had to come out over and over again. But when, I, when you have immigrant parents, uh, they tend to just not acknowledge you or what you're saying. So you have to do it again and again. And I recorded it eventually, more so to prove to myself that we've had this conversation. And, um, but what resulted was just a really honest conversation, a really frustrating conversation that we uh, pared down and put it into a narrative and it became the basis of our first episode. And what that did was it really set the bar for us for how um, people on the show were gonna be. They were gonna be honest, they were gonna be genuine, they were gonna talk about things that were uncomfortable because these are the conversations that we don't talk about. Um, let me just, I was supposed to play this clip earlier, but here we go. I just wanna, I just wanted to talk about it because it's a big part of my life and I think, okay. If you insist, I will talk about it. The gay, I know the gay, the, the mean, but every parent tells you you can normal the life. But every parent wants you to have a normal life. The normal life, you know, the marriage and kids. This is what I hope for you. Like my parents, this was the expectation from my parents. 
So I expect the same for my own children. 那如果你真的是一个同性恋者，我也没有办法。If you really are gay, there's nothing I can do about it. 就像我刚才，这是你的选择。Because this is your choice. So, basically, the, what we learned from、um, using this as a first conversation is that we want to start from really great tape, and then we'll work backwards from there. And that was going to be what our show was going to be built around: really great tape, and then the narrative comes from that.、Um, and then Tobin also had to push himself because、um, I don't know the stories in the media about queer people, at least in the U.S., is that we are all very. Either very very confident in who we are, like for example the queer eye guys, or they know themselves so well, or it's a sob story in which you are persecuted constantly, and there's almost no middle ground. And what we wanted to explore was a middle ground. And Tobin came up、uh, came up with this、um, with this、um, idea of talking about his body image issues because he's always I guess、um, been. Uh, I don't know. Growing up with images of gay men who are very, very masculine and very、um, fit, it just wasn't him. And he learned a lot of that from porn. Yeah, the quality is really poor. This is my boyfriend. He's a white dude, but don't worry, he's been extreme vetted. And this is us sitting down to watch as many films as I could find of this guy named Brandon Lee. So that's Brandon Lee right there. Yeah, to the left, that's him. All right, he's got like a really cool sort of floral shirt. It looks like they walked into a place. They're putting up sheetrock. There's like definitely constrict. This is a remodeled home that's、okay. happening here. I think.、Um, okay. Yeah. Getting into it. I like the music. <laughs> it's a little bit Nintendo-y. I like, think it's of、bit. the era. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. Let's continue、right. and play.、Mm, I'd have to see that. Get on your knees, and I'll show you. There's a dick.、Mm-hmm. Maybe you thought this was going to be a story about Brandon Lee, the actor and son of Bruce Lee. It's not. The Brandon Lee I'm interested in is a porn star. So the rest of the episode, he、uh, goes in search of Brandon Lee, who no longer works in porn. But he wanted to he wanted to talk to Brandon because he was the first.、Um, Asian porn star in which he was the top,、uh, and he just never saw that in porn. What I've now learned about gay male porn, because I don't watch that,、uh, is that usually if you're an Asian man, you're usually you're usually the bottom. You're the one that that's receiving. And <clears throat> Tobin thought that that's just what he was supposed to be, and but maybe that's not right. And、uh, I guess what we learned from going on his journey was that. It's important for us to not tell stories just about people who are incredibly sure of themselves because it's not—it's not as interesting, and it's also not the majority of the people that we know. And then back to back to me, for myself, getting out of my comfort zone was when I was coming out. I I didn't have a group of queer friends around me, and in fact, the thought of being around a lot of queer women made me incredibly uncomfortable, and I don't—I did not know why. So I brought this up in a story meeting, and then at the same time, I brought up there's this camp in Wisconsin called A Camp, where、um, queer women, non-binary folks, can go for like a week. It's like a summer camp that it was like a summer camp that I never got to go to. And I brought it up, and I thought about how incredibly、um, 
scary it would be to go. And Tobin immediately was like, we're signing you up, you're gonna go to camp, you're gonna bring a microphone, you're gonna figure yourself out. So I go to camp. Oh, the feeling. Gabby. Hi. You had a little baby crash. Yeah, it, the baby grew. <laughs> More like a toddler crush? Oh, no, I don't like that. I take that back. Uh, uh t- a teenage crush. A teenage crush. Okay, good. A teenage crush is sort of a miracle for me. Because a few months back, right around when this podcast launched, I went through what I would call a devastating breakup. I was a complete mess. And, of course, it sounds dumb, but a part of me didn't think I could like someone new for a long time. People go to camp, you included, to Mm -hmm. do something outside of what they normally would do. So I'm going to say maybe don't overthink this one. Oh, Tobin, do you know me? (laughs) Do you know me at all? So at camp, I I fell for somebody. And um, in the telling of the story, the first draft of it was a lot of me sort of mining these like juicy personal details to make an interesting story like I had I had tape I guess it would be like juicy tape that would have been good for um our story but in the end we kind of figured out that like just because it's a it's a juicy piece of tape doesn't mean it's actually a good tape uh, that would work well for the story so eventually we had to come back around and really focus on the anxieties I had at camp um and in the end, we decided that, at least for our show, we're not just going to mine ourselves for like personal details. That's not, that's not the kind of show that we really want to tell. We would only include our personal details if it meant um, furthering the story and, and in a way that other people connect to. <clears throat> and then the next thing that we did that we really, really liked was that you know early on, we knew that we were representing a, a large community and neither Tobin or I are everything. Like, we're queer Asian people, but that's it. And there's a lot of stuff that we can never um, really relate to because we don't have that background. So, um, so an example of that would be our coworker, David Gable, is a, a white man in his, uh, I want to say, in his 50s. And he lived, has been living with HIV for the past 30 years. He lived through the AIDS crisis in the U.S. and everything. And he came to us, and he wanted to know what it was like now for young men um, to live with HIV, or if that is even an issue anymore, or like, do people even remember the AIDS crisis? What did, I think his words were, um, did we live through this for nothing? So what we did was we paired it up with a young man named Dominique, that's the illustration of him, um, who was also HIV positive. How many friends of, you, of yours have you lost? So many. I've lost so many people. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. People say, you know, it's not the 80s anymore. Um, people not dying from it. And yes, they are. They're still dying from it. They're still being affected from it. I know black men are getting affected, especially the black youth. Mm-hmm. We're getting affected. And um, we're still dying, right? Um, a lot of the it's stigma. Not cu- it's not cured. No, it's not cured. So David and Dominique had this really, <clears throat> excuse me, really wonderful conversation um, that delved really deeply into both of their backgrounds. And neither Tobin and I could have been able to recreate something like that. And it was really important for us to pass over the mic to the people 
who can really speak authentically to it. And even though he and I host the show, there's no need for us to be in all of our stories. Um, so we get asked a lot, um, how do you tell other people's stories? And I think usually our answer is we just let them tell it themselves and we help craft the narrative, but their voices, um, the things that they say is, is, is all them. Uh, similarly, we had another setup that we loved and, and people also seemed to really resonate with. <clears throat> we, we found this teenager in Unalaska, Alaska, this tiny, tiny island um, in Alaska. His name is Gilmar. That is him. He um, wanted to go to prom in drag, but he didn't really know how to do it because internet connection is really bad there because tiny remote island. Um, and so um, a reporter that he knew, Zoe, Zoe Sobel, he, she reached out to us and we were able, able to pair him with this drag queen, famous drag queen named Alaska Thunderfuck. How do you say the name of your city? Because I've read it, but I don't know how to say it. Unalaska. It's literally called Unalaska? Yeah. That's like the opposite of me, Unalaska. <laughs> yeah. So when we started the Skype call and the video comes up, there is Alaska in full drag. She's wearing this pink floral top with peacocks, teased up blonde hair topped with a pink... Oops, sorry. <laughs> How do you say the name of your city? Because I've read it, but I don't know how to say it. Unalaska. It's literally called Unalaska? Yeah. That's like the opposite of me, Unalaska. <laughs> yeah. So when we started the Skype call and the video comes up, there is Alaska in full drag. She's wearing this pink floral top with peacocks, teased up blonde hair topped with a pink rhinestone encrusted clip. I guess you were bit by the bug of drag, right? Like you're like, mm -hmm. you feel like you are a drag queen. Yes. Cause I feel it's like being a nun. It's like a divine calling. I just really love, I really like Alaska. She's great. Um, but basically, <laughs> What we learned from this is that you really just have to step aside sometimes and let other people tell their stories themselves. Um, I wanted to show you guys, that's, that's Gilmar, that's Alaska Thunderfuck. Um, and then Gilmar went to prom in drag and was beautiful. Um, the last clip I wanna play is um, about finding a narrative in things that um, aren't really like linear. A lot of being queer, I would say, is about figuring things out internally, and that doesn't always mean there's an, some, a thing to follow. Like, say you're dealing with internalized homophobia, or, um, I don't know, just maybe your identity is changing, you don't know like, what, what is actually happening. And <clears throat> for me, I've always had this aversion to the word butch. I was really scared of being seen as butch. And that brought that up in a story meeting, and Tobin was like, you have to like, think about that more. And, um, and so I did, and for a very long time, since I was like three, I had really long, really long hair, really long feminine hair that I would hide behind. And it was only through like the telling of figuring myself out that I became more comfortable with how I present to the world. But like, how do you tell that story when there's, the only action is taking it, is getting your hair cut. So what we did was, 
we um, set me up with a person that's gone through this, and we had um, that person go through my background and how um, I came to feel this way. And I'm in the middle of these little parts. We have we would have vignettes of sort of like what my processing was like. So this is sort of a sample of that. Okay, Kathy. So when you think of the word butch now, yeah, like what do you think of? Um, butch. 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 A masculine identifying genderqueer, non-conforming woman who sleeps with primarily women. Her hair may be short or not. To me, butch is a comfort. It's a way of presenting myself. Tennis shoes instead of high heels. Tucks at the formal event instead of a uh, dress. I walk with a halo of gay around me when I am presenting butch. Generally pretty sexy. Butch lesbian. So um, in the end, I didn't really find an answer that was really satisfying. Like I, even though I cut my hair at the time, it still wasn't comfortable because now it was like a whole new world of like being, um, I guess, being queer outwardly. Um, but I guess that wasn't the point. The story was about figuring out why I felt this way. And maybe if somebody else heard me talk about why I feel this way, other people can also figure out what it is that they have aversions to. Maybe really take an honest look at that. Um, so yeah, that's how we went about doing that story. Um, well, that's the end. Here's a photo of Tobin at the beach yesterday. We've been in touch because I've been cold and he's been really hot. <laughs> um, yeah, that is the end. If anybody has any questions. We'll have a max of one or two questions because we're running a little bit late. There's one there, Ethan. And one in the back, and that's all we can have, I'm afraid. Hi there. Thanks so Hi. much for the speech. Um, can you just run us through like the production process, like practically? So you record the interview, and what yeah. goes on after that? Sure. If it's like a if it's like a, a two way, just a regular interview, that can happen anytime in the studio in the field. But to do um, a narrative story, uh, usually we'll send one of us uh, out into the field, uh, either me or Tobin. Um, with our kit, a uh, recorder, a mic, um, headphones, and we would go and interview, collect all of our tape, and then we come back to the studio and we are paired with an editor, um, whoever is, uh, usually our editor, Jenny, um, our part-time editor, and then we storyboard what we think the story is gonna be. And then, uh, um, then the producer is sent off to create a first draft. And then there are rounds of drafts with just the producer and the editor until we get to a spot that we feel pretty good about, and then we send it out to the rest of the team. There's about five or six of us on the team. And then we take group feedback, and then at the same time, the story is sound designed um, in coordination with either me or our sound designer, Jeremy. And then when it it, the time um, comes for the, ep the story to fit into an episode, because sometimes we can finish a story like a month before it fits into the timeline when the episode will be released, then um, we compile like the episode, and then that goes through like two more rounds of group mix notes. And then finally, we, sit, we have a last like quality check listen with me and the sound designer and one other producer just for like a final listen and then we publish it to the world. Okay, there's like one in the back there. <laughs> Hi, my name Hi. is Ruth Hopkins. I work with the Wits Justice Project here at Wits University. Um, I was just wondering about your audience. Um, mm -hmm. 
because obviously your your stories are about the queer community. Do you envisage your audience as the queer community, or mm -hmm. just or queer and straight, or do you not even think about that and just think about storytelling? We we I mean our boss would like us to just think about storytelling. I think, but uh, I would think that we we make the show for a queer audience, but we make it inviting enough for anybody to listen to. Like, if there's a thing that needs to be explained, um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, be, we'll think, like, is this something the queer community would actually explain to each other? Um, if not, then we're not going to explain it. Like, for example, uh, an early discussion we had was PFLAG, the parents for lesbian and gays. I don't remember the acronym, but it's the parent organization um, um, where the, it's a collection of parents who have queer kids. And it's a widely used acronym in the U.S., and we didn't know whether or not we needed to explain that. I think ultimately we didn't explain it because people would know. But there were things within the queer community that um, we don't know about each other, and that is a thing that we'll explain. Like, like for example, tops and bottoms. I didn't really understand that. It wasn't a thing that was in my vernacular. But gay men know that. I just didn't. And so we had to kind of explain that to uh, me mainly. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say we make it for a queer audience, but we get a lot of feedback from, um, the, uh, from the straight audience that have tuned into the show who feel like they're being led into a world that, did, that didn't know. One of our favorite emails is from this guy. He said he was like a 45-year-old straight white man. Not our target audience, he said, but he loves the show. We're like, great. This wasn't for you, but welcome. Awesome, thank you. Um, if you have any further questions, you can tweet us at Radio Days Africa. We'll break for tea now till about 11. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you.